Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Ex Fortis Ingenium. My name is Nathan, I am your host, and today I have another guest chat episode. I talked with Dina of Oxygen Yoga here in Kamloops. Now, timing is everything, and I'm posting this the day after some very positive developments here in British Columbia in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic response and restrictions. These restrictions, which are gradually being relaxed as of May 25th in a four-step program that will hopefully come to its conclusion sometime in September, has been, for want of another word, crippling to certain small businesses, among them the Kamloops Oxygen Studio owned and operated by Dina. And I was very happy to read that some of the coming relaxations to the restrictions are going to help immensely. At the point in time that we had our conversation, the Oxygen Studio had been closed for the third time since the pandemic began. And as far as I understand it, it was more or less touch and go as to whether the business would be able to stay open. And fortunately, and I'm going to say fortunately, we didn't actually wind up talking that much about the restrictions, the closures, and how they have been affecting Dina, although it does come up bit by bit in the conversation. And for people who would like to hear about that particular journey of hers, I would encourage you to follow Oxygen Kamloops at their Instagram page, which I will have it up in a moment here, Oxygen Kamloops Aberdeen. Just combine those three words into one and you have their Instagram handle getting periodic updates as to how the studio was doing, uh, as well as its community, was by turns heartbreaking and inspiring. And I had the pleasure of delving a little more into the qualities that have made Dina able to withstand a large set of challenges over the course of her life, uh, not the least of which was these pandemic closures. Dina is a person in her early 50s who inspires 30-somethings like myself to say, I can't wait until I grow up because I want to aspire to be something like this person. And this might be somewhat of a different conversation than perhaps my last chat with Mike LaPierre of Valley Jiu-Jitsu. I'm going from uh, talking about how wonderful it is to throttle another human being to, uh, well, I'll let the conversation speak for itself. I'm giving you the Instagram handle. I, I would highly recommend that you follow Oxygen, even if yoga is something like, and I speak for myself here, that you're not that into at this point in your life. As you'll find uh, over the course of this conversation, there's a lot that somebody who has a, a completely disparate life focus can teach you that will apply to your own. And it was a joy to explore that with Dina. So without further ado, here is my talk with Dina. Enjoy. So you've been keeping track of the day since the, the closure of oxygen yes. and where um, any any listeners to this are going to be filled in on a bit of your background before this talk. So right. Okay. <laughs> jumping straight into um, the day since your closure. Uh, what's the exact number right now? So where we're at right now, what we were in last one, because I had it down to we were 203, but now we've added on another 17 days. So we're at 221 days today that we've been closed out of the 400 plus. So more than half the year. And I would be surprised if they allow us to open at the end of May. This is your third closure? Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing track. Yeah, I know. Like the first one was March 16th. We were closed for 77 days. I was able to reopen June 1st with limited capacity and was encouraged to raise prices as everybody else was doing, which was really hard because I try to keep it affordable, but there was a reality. The overhead was big. And then they closed us again November 19th. And then reopened again February 1st and then shut down again March 30th. And when we reopened February 1st, I pivoted to be just punch pass studio only, but we're only allowed eight people in a class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can fit actually anywhere from 20 to 25 comfortably in here. So to go down to eight was obviously brutal on the bank account. 
Yeah. And, and frustrating for our community. There were so many people who wanted to come back and be in community and the wait lists were just so frustrating for everyone. It was, oh, it was not ideal. <laughs> Tell me a bit about your community because I follow Oxygen on Instagram and you're so consistent with your post that I get an ever-present storyline, I guess you'd call it. You're currently in an area that I don't spend much, if any, time in, but yeah. it, it's one of those things where you get the constant updates and you're like, wow, it's really cool that this thing exists, that this community exists. I have to say that our community is unique and probably I would think that every fitness and yoga studio probably feels that theirs is super special, but I have to say that I, we are the most inclusive community I've ever met. We will have, honestly, in one class, we can have a 75 year old dude who's never worked out in his life and a 23 year old in the other corner, who's an ultra athlete, all doing the same practice or workout together. And we're all high-fiving each other pre-COVID, you know, and encouraging each other. They all get to know each other. Ah, is Dave going to be in class again? Is Maureen going to be here today? You know, that kind of thing. So, and we have a lot of people healing from injuries as well, because we are an infrared studio. The infrared in decreases inflammation in the body and really heals the body. So we have a lot of um, injured athletes that come. We also have people surviving cancer right now that come here for the infrared therapy. We have people with MS who come for the infrared therapy. So there's more than, we are so much more than just a fitness and yoga studio. There's a lot of love here. <laughs> so Oxygen Kamloops is not your first venture. In fitness it is. You know what? I've never okay. owned you know, I've owned a, I was in the service industry for 35 years. So it's a different type of service. And I loved it. I owned a catering company at one time, have mm -hmm. been a GM, a dishwasher, done that whole gamut of that job. But I've fitness, I was a personal trainer for years in the 90s, but gave that up and a fitness instructor, but never owned my own gym never owned my own studio. So this was a new venture for me at, you know, 50 years old <laughs> to, to go for that. I'm 53 now. Um, and yeah, I found an investor who believed in me and helped me make it happen. And here wow. we are. Yeah. And I've always loved fitness and yoga. Like I've always been one of those people who trains hard, goes hard. Um, I fell in love with yoga about eight years ago. People who knew me back in my fitness days would have never thought I'd become a yoga instructor. And so that's this really um, unique shift for me. And I would say as I've aged, it has been so therapeutic for me spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's the missing piece that a lot of people don't realize because yoga is so much more than just stretching. Yoga is yoga is a part of finding peace inside yes and how awesome it is to just to be able to see these spots as you get older where oh you know this might not have been a thing and like for example yoga is not a thing i tried it in my 20s and no dice at the moment but you're staying open to that oh hey this is a gap that could occur in 10 20 years and, and, and I, it was like that for me like i was 40 well, how am I? 53. So I was 45 when I, when I shoved my ego through a door at a yoga studio. And honestly, I, it's a short but sweet story because it's super relevant. I walked into that studio. The teacher that was there that day happened to be a sub. I never saw her again. I went in there. Everybody kept saying, go to yoga. It's going to help you with your grief. I was dealing with some big grief that I really need to. I was living a beautiful life, but just under the surface, it was destroying me and I was putting on the happy mm -hmm. face going to work doing my stuff walked in this yoga teacher gets me into this pose and I do it now and I tell the story all the time her name was Deb and she came over and she put her hand on my head and her hand on my shoulder and she simply said let me hold that for you for a while and it cracked my heart wide open. I started weeping. I had no idea. I'd been carrying grief in my jaw and in my heart and all of this. And so I cracked wide open and I'm like, what was that magic? 
And I never saw her again. But if she had not been that teacher that day, I could have gone in and said, ah, not for me. Mm-hmm. But she was there for a reason. So just this past year, just January 4th, when we were closed, I went for a walk with my friend. I have not seen this yoga instructor since that day. She had no idea what she did that day for me, brought me to owning my own yoga studio to becoming a yoga teacher. I ran into her at the dog park at Pioneer Park. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're my Deb. And she's like, I never taught another yoga class since that day. I had no idea I touched someone's life that much. And I'm like, you not only touched my life, but then she touched every single person that comes here and has that same opening moment like I did. And then I just received a text from a young lady yesterday that was part of my yoga community before we close, saying how much she wanted to thank me for my teachings because she was able to then share those teachings with a friend who was feeling suicidal. And then those teachings help that friend find the hunger again to take care of themselves. And I'm like, and she says, I want to thank you for your, see, I get emotional. She's like, I want to thank you for your wisdom. I'm like, it's not my wisdom. And it it wasn't even Deb's wisdom that she gave to me. It was the teachers that gave it to her, who gave it to them, who gave it to them. That ripple effect is why we're here. That's beautiful. (laughs) It's just so beautiful. Yeah. And to still, to be able to this day, to create more opportunities for that to happen. And that's essentially what separates you and and a few of the other wonderful people that I've been able to meet in the fitness community at large here. It's the unwillingness to hoard, like the the idea that we're all standing in a river that we want other people to dip their toes into. And it's, I guess it gets evangelistic at some time, but can you blame us? Oh man, it's so good. I jump up on my soapbox and I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, I'm like Fozzie Bear all the time. Like it, it's hard not to be. I mean, we can walk through life as Eeyores feeling sorry for ourselves. Ho-hum. Sure. We all have those moments or we can be Pooh Bears and Tiggers and bring some light to people's lives. And I think for me, even though I've, I've been, I've been accused of being not sincere that this isn't really the way she is, but I am, I feel big. And one of my biggest lessons right now has been about self-love because I haven't ever truly struggled with my mental health. Um, but this this year has been really, really challenging. Um, I'm an A-type personality. I like to go. I like to get stuff done. I work hard. I play hard. I, you know, it's a, it's a good life. I'm so grateful. And to have restrictions put on the amount that I can express that life and my freedom of expression is truly painful. And I have found myself going into a darker place, but I realized that my capacity to love is only limited by the capacity to love myself. Thank you, Brene Brown. (laughs) Yes, my wife and I are trying to make, uh, not daring greatly. Yeah, Yeah, daring greatly. We're trying to make a way to that right So good. Yeah. And I mean, she talks about that too. When we think about things like that, and I talk about it even in my classes, if we really believe that our capacity, and we trust that our capacity to love others, like as much as you love your wife, the capacity to love her is limited by your capacity to love yourself. So then I flip that around. I'm like, oh my God, I love so big. Don't you just love your wife so much? Like love her so much. I love my pets so much. That must mean I love myself because if I didn't have the capacity to love them that much, I wouldn't have it inside. So I think it's super cool. When we actually step aside from all the crap that we put in our heads and all the negative talk and our self-talk and we step back, we're pretty rad humans. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope that so many others come away with that out of this. It, it's the just the the fact that you have to look in the mirror and say, hey man, or hey, woman, yeah. I, I love you too. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. And you look at yourself in the mirror. We do a lot of those practices in here too. When you look in the mirror, we see the eyes of our little self, right? We see the eyes of our inner child who maybe needed to be reparented, maybe needed a little extra love. We all didn't get through childhood unscathed and stuff happens and some really big and some not so big. But when we look in the mirror, it's the same eyes as that little kid. And we just need to remind ourselves that we're doing okay. We have survived every single day until now and we're doing okay. And as a global village, we need to also, those of us that do come from that empathetic place and there's the, the, the feeling of being empaths, people are like, oh, you're too sensitive. No, we're sensitive to things, but we hold space for those who can't, don't feel those things. We hold space for those who don't want to feel those things or are not prepared to do so. So when the world is in the tragedy that it is, the economic crisis that it is, and the, the emotional, dire situations that we're in, the empaths are starting to crumble because there is no structure for us to hold on to. So when we look at the empaths, millions of them worldwide, the gossamer strings that hold us all together, if we believe in the energy exchange, just like the ripple effect, it's all the same, that the people who weep for us, those of us that cry easy like me, those that laugh, they cry easy, feel love really big, we hold space for those who don't have the capacity to do so. But right now we're all struggling. So the world feels even darker. And that's a, that's a big thing. So I've been coming together with more of my empath friends online so that we can try to connect and, and do some meditations together and try to heal the planet. I mean, they're, they'll have meditations where there's millions of people online together meditating at the same time. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it, it does, like you say, it gets evangel it, it gets that feeling of like you're at a at a Baptist church, it's like brah, right? It's so good. And it doesn't matter if you're religious, spiritual, or nothing. We all know what energy feels. You can walk into a room or you can be in the grocery store standing in a lineup, you know, if you wherever you are, and you can feel the energy of the person behind you and in front of you if you take a moment to feel it. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the auric field being only six feet, it's the six feet we're not allowed to be in each other's auric field. When we used to brush up against each other, oh, sorry, excuse me, go to concerts and rave out together and have a blast. Now we're supposed to keep that bubble away from each other. But if we take a moment to feel the energy around us, we'll feel it. Just like a dog will sense your energy, right? Energy exists. So if we get millions of people meditating together at the same time, we can start to heal the planet. But it takes a lot of work. We're, we're all kind of self-absorbed right now. And I will admit that I've been self-absorbed about my own stuff right now. I'm like, oh, good grief. 53 years old, I'm about to lose it financially, all of it. Like there's a there's an actual reality. I'm going to probably lose it all. Yeah, And well, and in that context, self-absorption is totally understandable. The idea that two things can and even have to be possible at once is something that the words you've just been speaking have got me thinking about all the harder, right? Because we're, and where do I want to start on that? A couple of years ago, uh, right after my daughter was born, we had two devastating losses on my wife's side of the family. And, um, and this, by the time my daughter was about two months old, they both happened. And I'm I'm so impressed that my wife is still standing, frankly. But we we would um, we would be seeing to uh, preparations and affairs and whatnot. And I would come home. I was also doing basic training with the Army Reserves at the time, so I was away for the odd weekends. And I would come home and I would take my daughter so my wife could have a little bit of sleep and I would just be holding her and the most beautiful things in life and the most terrible things in life, they not only happen at the same time, but sometimes they're meant to. And, and if you're okay with that darkness existing, then the light is going to reveal itself all the more. Yes. Thank you have you. an act for talking about these things far more eloquently than I do. 
Thank you for sharing that. But that is the, the, the epitome of the human condition. So I refer to the human condition essentially so that it is it is sorrow and bliss, laughter and sadness all at the same time. It's like for me, even living through my grief, I'm like, no, I owe it to the person that died to live a beautiful, big life. But yes, I just yes. allow myself to feel the pain of the loss. The tricky thing about grief that I have learned in my own journey and through my community and us sharing together is what's so difficult about grief is that your, your wife's relationship with those people, I'm assuming that she lost, she was very close to, and you were, of course, mm -hmm. that the relationship you have with that person is uniquely between the two of you. So my relationship with my lost loved one is strictly between that person and I. So when she left, she took that relationship with her. I can't have it with any other vibration. I can't have it with any other being because it was hers and mine together. So there's a grieving to the process of losing that version of us that I did was not aware of that brought me to my knees and still does. Because there are times I miss that version of Dina. I miss that version of Dina that can always know that that anchor was always there. That, um, that I could say whatever I wanted and she wouldn't judge me, you know? There's those certain connections. It's like your connection with your wife is between you and her exclusively. We may have loved other people in our lives, but that connection of love is between two individuals that you can't have with anyone else. The us factor is huge. And I find that truly profound. And at the same time, we can experience such tragedy and such bliss, your daughter being born while going through grief at the same time, your daughter will have a more profound experience to empathy and compassion because of the feelings you two shared. I think that's beautiful for her. <laughs> and isn't it crazy how if we're, if we're willing to deal with that, problems that would have been big just fade to being so minor. Yes. Like, is, oh, is everybody still here? Does everybody still have a chance to grow out of this? Okay, then it's not that big a deal. Totally. And people are like, oh, because there's a difference between happiness and peace. So people are like, oh, happiness is attainable outside, right? Like I could drink this glass of water and I'm happy because I just drank a glass of water. Awesome. Good. However, am I happy that I'm thirsty? No. Am I at peace with it? Yep. Am I happy that my business is closed? No. Am I at peace with it? Yes. Mm -hmm. There comes a stillness and a softness that comes inside to full surrender because it's out of my control. I've done everything I can. Am I happy? Of course not. Am I happy? Or, and I know that with hospice work, there's a specific monk that does this work and she's amazing. She said that people come to this place of peace prior to death because on the average, most people do. The only thing they regret is not being nicer to themselves on the average or the person they need to say sorry to. But she also said that while we sit there, we're not happy that we may be dying because essentially we all are every day, but we come to peace with it. And we come to a stillness and acceptance. So there, you can find peace in the darkest places and the most beautiful places. Because people get super hyper about something super exciting, like, like Disneyland, if we ever get to go there again. It's super exciting. But there also needs to be this peace because it's an outside joy, an outside grab that isn't going to last. Or have you ever been on holiday with people? My hubs does this. I love him to bits. But well, we've been on holiday and he's like, oh my God, we only got four days left. I'm like, dude, see you now. Come on. Yep. <laughs> but there are those people, right? <laughs> so we are always in that state of wanting more. But when we come to peace, we can find peace in the good and the bad.
And that I call it the Clint Eastwood effect, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> yeah, being at peace, like a, you, you know, as you get older, your parents have the odd health scare here and there, and you come to the realization that no matter how much time you have with anyone, you're going to want more. Totally. So it becomes less about accumulating time uh, and more about like, what can you make of the moments that you do get? It's amazing how little time, I guess, we need to yeah. make special. I, I couldn't agree more. And there's one of my favorite songs by Saint Asonia, and it's called Waste, my, Waste Time. And in the line in the song is, um, there's no one I'd rather waste time with than you. I mean, how beautiful, like, see, that chokes me up. Who do you want to sit on that porch with and not say a word? Who do you want to sit on a porch with and watch the grass grow? Who do you want to hold hands with and just sit and be? You don't even have to talk. I'd give anything to sit with my mom again. And I lost her at 60, she was very young. And I think of people who have been through the loss of a child and where, how do we recover from that and find peace in our lives to move forward and to be able to offer the highest vibration of ourself, even though that self may be broken. People think you have to be healed to help other people healed. I do not believe that to be true. The, the, the wounded healer can heal just as much. Yes. And when they say that hurt people hurt people, well, healed people heal people. So every time we go through a grieving process or you notice your daughter in those sweet moments, that healing heals the entire planet. That is a beautiful thing. Whether you realize it or not, you're touching more than just you. Yeah, and, and Esri is going to grow up to wonder why dad was taking all those deep breaths whenever he got to give her a hug, right? Absolutely. You can just breathe it into your heart and hold on for dear life. Mm -hmm. Because our yes. parents, everything our parents said, man, all the cliches are bloody true. The closer I get to 60, the more I realize how young it is. My daughter is almost 21. I mean, I would give anything to have her smallness back. And yet I love this version of her that she is. Yes. Yeah. Talk about two things being true at right? the same time. It's like, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Could, could I have the old version of you back? Yes. But I love this new version of you so much. Yes. And, and, and I think many women who, who enjoyed and really connect to their children in that profound way while they were pregnant. Some women hated being pregnant. I understand the body's like, oh, what the heck is going on? I miss Deja being inside me, like in my belly when we were one and I could keep her safe and the world had yet to taint her image of me and the <laughs> for me to screw it up, you know, and all of that stuff. But there was those sacred moments where it was just her and I. And that is, that's the gift. So when we take a breath of air, when we first come into this world and the last breath, the inhale and the first, the exhale is the last and somewhere in between is a gloriously blissful, tragic life. Mm -hmm. And we're going to screw it up and we're going to mess up. We're going to own our shit and we're going to own our awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're, um, the, the way that you phrased it, first breath to last breath, that that got me thinking I was having similar thoughts today um, as pertains to coaching for endurance events, which you're intimately familiar with. Yeah. And just the idea that it's that somewhere between that start line and that finish line is, is the transformation. It, yeah. It's that point where you meet who you are. And I don't know if you want to be confrontational, you over, you yeah. overcome the worst in you, you bring out the best in you, but it's, it takes place between your ears, between the start and the finish line. And in here, right? Because in here, there's that guidance between the heart. And if we believe in the chakra centers and the energy centers and ancient Chinese medicine, Indian medicine, all of that jazz, 
it's here because you're this is going to tell you uh, uh you haven't got it but this this will keep going if you've trained it right and you come from heart and you run with heart first this is probably going to turn off somewhere along the way and say ah oh, you don't have this i remember my first marathon i saw some 23 year old girl crumple in front of me vomiting all over herself my 40-ish year old self's going oh crap if she can't do this neither can you self-doubt started coming i'm like see i flicked her right off my shoulder heart cracks open and off i go <laughs> And then I remember when I was my 50th birthday, I ran 50K on my 50th birthday for myself. Wow. Yeah. So I ran my 50K and I went up to the loop here in Kamloops, the bachelor loop. There's a 5K loop that the Dirty Feet crew yep. does. It had snowed the night before. So it was April 2nd and it had snowed the night before. And I'm like, screw it. I'm doing it anyway. People were said they were going to come and run with me. Not a lot of people showed up. Two people did. But as I started to tick off the kilometers in my head, music going, everything's fine. It was 12K in, and I remember going, 12, huh, what were you doing when you were 12 years old? And I stood in, in that moment as I was moving, I let that whole kilometer be dedicated to what do you remember about 12, the good, the bad, the ugly, the Clint Eastwood. And I'm like, ooh, there was some rage, there was some screaming, there was some laughter, there was lots of tears. And they started to tick off, 16, 18, 23, 40, you know, 32, having your child. Ooh, 42 losing my mom and then I got to 50 I actually ended up going up to 52k but I'm like this was cathartic in a way that I never expected for endurance work because I allowed each kilometer to become the year of my life and it was a wonderful way to pay tribute to every single step that brought me to here Ooh, it was good <laughs> And then I went to Earl's and drank a bottle of Prosecco. But hey, yeah, it's, all about, it's all about balance. <laughs> well, it, exactly. Again, just two, two things being able to exist yeah. non-opposingly um, non at the same time, right? Exactly. Uh, and it was, it's, it's cool because it's one of those things like, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you must be super calm. You meditate all the time. I've been meditating for 30 years just because I don't do the asana practice of yoga. I was doing other forms of yoga, just didn't know it was yoga. And I used to think my running was moving meditation, but meditation is truly stillness, but it's a different form of mindfulness. So yes. Yeah, so um, for example, even in my running days, when I would run hard and train hard, I noticed that all of my injuries were coming on the same side right side was getting injured every time then i noticed read an article about a guy who tested the theory about exhaling every time on the same side i'm like interesting it took me almost 90 days to be able to control which side i exhaled on it was like brushing my teeth with my left hand it took me a month to get that too but i got it so then i was able to trigger it every 2k i would switch which foot was landing on the exhale so every third strikes would be a left, then every third strike would be a right. And I began this rhythmic breath work that then prevented injuries. I'm like, this is magic. Or if you're into CrossFit, like I have athletes that come in here too, and I can see their beasts, right? They come in, they're so strong. Their breath is off. They're compressing diaphragm. They lose all of that power. Well, you know, as a coach. So if people aren't breathing correctly, which is where meditation and yoga really come in strongly for the endurance athletes, because breath will save you. You'll be in the yes. middle of things, right? Or you're like starting to fail. Your body's starting to shut down. You can come into true yogic breath and your body will keep you going for days. 
the last conversation that I posted was with Mike LaPierre, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black yeah. belt instructor. Yeah. And just thinking back to all the, the sparring sessions and even something like coming in as a, as a very physically capable individual and finding that without the proper discipline, it counts for absolutely nothing. But the breath control, when you're essentially trying to oppose your will on your training partner, there's there's nothing so infuriating as to hear them take these oh, deep yeah. grounding breaths. And then you're like, oh, shoot, something yeah. something big's coming, but they, because they've, they've just mastered themselves and then that's a that's a humongous advantage in the, in that kind of tense situation but yeah just hearing your right. training partner go oh yeah <laughs> in yeah. in any stressful circumstance like a, a team scenario say it's it's so good to to hear that breathing coming from the person that you're depending on to your left or right 100 yeah. percent. and it, it happens here we'll be in fitness we're in the middle of doing burpee sets and people are forgetting to breathe their jaw is clenched their brow is furled they're just full on way too much energy going on here and forgetting here shallow breaths only from here not even filling the bottom half and then we stop for a second and I'm like 10 seconds, let's just do a, a, an approximation of heart rate. And then I'm like, just deep yoga breaths, 20 seconds, let's go. And then I've, they calm down. I get them to look at their watch if they have one, watch your heart rate drop. They're like, oh my gosh, that's powerful. Because most people who come in here just for fitness don't come to the yoga classes. There's a few people who go between the two, but on the average when we're doing, and then we'll be in yoga and say we're just in a supine twist, a gentle twist. And I can tell by the way they're holding their bodies, they haven't even given a full exhale yet. So then I just ask them to inhale, hold on to it for a sec, and then release to gravity. The whole room, I can almost feel the floor soften. And then there's just this space of release. And then in the same breath, the next class I teach, we're doing those burpees, but we want to get through another round of Tabatas, whatever it is, that breath is what's going to save us. And we'll do it too, though, like, or people, my husband holds his breath a lot and there'll be a big sigh. I'm like, you okay? He's like, yeah, I just had to let that out. I'm like, okay, you're good. Or wearing behind the masks everywhere we go now. That breath for me is a struggle. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, I do not like wearing the mask. It, I have to talk myself down all the time. I'm like, it's okay. But I'm used to being able to take a full breath, filling my lungs up to capacity and just let it go. But it's not that easy anymore. And same with being athletes, we know when if you're lifting heavy or you're a mount, or you're a climber or a bike rider, whatever it is, you're, if you're a mountain climber, all of those things, breath is everything. And your yoga practice can teach you how to breathe more than anything else you'll do, more than running. Yeah. Wow. And if, yeah. I, if, I, if I had known that, I could have been a really wicked runner before my knee surgeries, <laughs> but I didn't know. The idea of, of creating breathing room for ourselves yeah. and, the, and the fact that current circumstances are preventing us from doing that. Like the whole, again, things like in jujitsu, for example, it's in, in order to be able to implement your strategy, you need to create enough space to be able to move properly and to have that extra second of breathing room. As you know, with endurance events, just pinning the accelerator in a triathlon, for example, on the bike and realizing that if you just ease up for a few seconds, you can get, I guess, your equilibrium back and then you can push the pace again. Whereas if you if you persist in in this tightness and in this restricted breathing, you're, you're going to trip yourself up. Totally. And it is interesting because I know for me, there was no walking and running. 
I'm like, you just run, 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 run. But I can prove, we, we've proven the theory. You can do a walk run. You can do a nine on and a one minute walk and still do an under two hour, 20 half marathon. It can be done because you're allowing yourself that recovery time and your body will respond better. One of the other things that you learn along the way too, is you don't run with white knuckles. You run with a soft hand as if you've got your last favorite potato chip in your hand, <laughs> you know? So, but there is, as soon as we clench jaw, furrow brow, tight fists, unnecessarily we've expended all of that energy and we're in that fight or flight response regardless and the parasympathetic nervous systems just push to the side so it, we're putting our bodies under constant stress which can be so dangerous as well especially through covid i've lived by the adage myself forever being in fitness since i was 20 go hard or go home mentality you know oh a good workout will make you feel better go out for a run you're going to be fine when what i really needed was a rest what I really needed was a casual walk on the beach, active recovery. And instead I put myself through a stressful workout. Sure, the endorphins kick in, but my body doesn't know the difference between that stress and the stress of my job. Mm -hmm. So the cortisol levels skyrocket. And as a woman going through menopause, whoo, stuff starts to shift fast. It's an interesting process. So now I honor the body when it needs rest, I will give it rest. I'll coach more than I do. Typically I do classes with people, you know, it's fun, but I coach now more than I do well, when I was open, you know, but that's where yoga comes in too, because yoga can be really hard or yoga can be really simple and beautiful. So you can, yoga is not easy because for most, no. most of us that are endurance athletes and high performing athletes, Typically, we come from a place of trauma. And I say that with all due respect, most, most athletes have had some sort of trauma in their lives, that this is something to achieve. So when we come to a place of achieving, and I'll admit that I am one of those people, but when we come to that place, we feel empowered by our own strength. And when our own strength empowers us, we feel we can overcome the trauma. So people like Rich Roll, for example, he's one of my favorite endurance athletes, and he's vegan, which is super awesome. He's a drug addict. On the, on the streets for years, a drug addict. His new addiction was exercise and, and endurance, but that's a socially accepted addiction, but it's still, yes. some, it's still an unhealthy mindset at times if we don't know how to turn that off and let the parasympathetic nervous system come into the driver's seat, take us on a nice little cruise so we can just float our hand out the window for a while. <laughs> but we don't tend to do that. And I would say, if I knew that in my thirties, I probably would have followed that a little bit more and been a a more, um, I don't even know that I needed to ever win anything, but I probably could have had I given my body the space to breathe and rest. Yeah, I think it was somewhere in, in my 20s because the, the triathlon career lasted basically from age 19 to about 31, 32. But it's at, uh, at some point you're like, you, you realize the addiction component of it. And it's like, you know, you may have started this because that, and, and I'm speaking generally for a lot of athletes, you may have started it because you wanted to give that scared, hurt inner kid the space to relax. But now maybe it's time for that kid to grow up. Like you've achieved that. You're not going back to that, that curled up version of you. So now like, let's concentrate on mastery. Let's concentrate on expanding outwards and maybe maybe using what we've been through to provide for others, to right. provide experiences, opportunities, and, and the chance for other people with that scared, hurt little kid to go on their own journeys. I love that. And I love that like we talk about healthy competition. I refer to it as healthy inspiration. 
because we inspire each other in here. Like we could be in here and I, I'll, I will. I, I know everyone's story because people are very very personal with me. I'll have two people that I know are in chemotherapy in, in one corner, a guy who just had hip replacement surgery in another, an athlete who just lost his wife in a car accident to a mom up front oh. that I know lost her child two years ago. So we're all in the same group together. There's no competition in this group. This is pure inspiration. And I can see it when it happens. And you can feel the shift in the room and that we all come together. They don't know each other's stories. And I say it all the time. We can hold and share space together without knowing each other's stories. We don't have to say it out loud. We can still be here to help put all of those pains into the greater pond, into the collective, and get a kick-ass workout in the in the meantime mm -hmm. by inspiring each other, not competing with each other. And that's that's rad to me. I mean, that's why I'm here. It's magic. Learning to exist in that dynamic has been and continues to be a bit of a challenge. Having said that, I'll say that my relationship with actual competition yeah. and the need to compete has become a lot healthier. Good. When when you think of it in in a uh, in a creation perspective. Sure. Like it used to be you win this or you are a loser. Like exactly. you are not, you're not worth anything. And yet what that hopefully evolves into is this is everything that you have built within yourself versus the best of someone else. Yeah. And the two of you or the however many in a race, for example, yeah. need to pit that against each other so that something amazing can be created. You stop thinking about the win, like the win is the medium or attempting to win is the medium by which this art is made, yes. which is why uh, at the top levels, the sportsmanship uh, is just amazing because you don't want to compete against someone who is not there to bring the best out of themselves and therefore the best out of you. Yes. And so you, you start gravitating uh, away from that win as identity to right. go for the win so that something incredible can come into existence. 100%. It's so beautiful. I watched years ago, I'm not even sure if it's around anymore. It was a reality show, The Ultimate Fighter, and they eventually got yes. to the UFC, where they had to fight each other. And they were friends. Like, and in that, right. when you like, when you think of jujitsu and all of those things, too, you tend to fight on, you fight with your friends. Who are we seeing? Who's here? <laughs> yes. Oh, no, sorry. Squirrel. Squirrel. No, yeah, uh, all the time. There's a, there's a bookshelf. Oh, here, here we go. Yeah, I got it. I'm curious. Sorry. Yes. Yes. I'm never going to be able to find that. Okay, but I'm super curious. So yeah, so fill me in later way if you find it. But tell me what you're remembering, what it triggered, what was it? Well, the one one of those early Ultimate Fighters was Josh Koscheck and George yes. St. Pierre. Yes. And I have multiple copies of GSP's book, The Way of the Fight. I joke that it was one of my favorite triathlon manuals. Yes. But there's one specific section where he essentially admits that he would be nothing if it weren't for the caliber of his opponents the necessity to honor them in in order to bring the best out of him like he would not be a champion he would not be the legend that he is without we and you know what's beautiful about that it's the exact same thing as we come back to the spiritual side of it where our capacity to love others is only how much we love ourselves mm -hmm. in that same breath he sees his own magnificence as does any athlete in the person that they hope to beat so if we pull competition right out of that we don't even use that word anymore we refer to it in the spiritual sense as the dark shadow and the golden shadow dark shadow is like the asshole us it's the ego us it's like oh i'm going to crush that guy the shadow the golden shadow is the one that looks at that guy and says man what an athlete 
The reason you even see that in that guy is because it lives inside of you already because you have the ability to be there. So others inspire you to, yes, honor them by literally saying, I see myself in you. Thank you. Thank you. And now I'm going to crush you. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. I'm much more familiar with that dark shadow than the yes. shadow, right? Yeah. But, but um, we know it's true. Like, say we'll notice like... um Jeff in town, Jeff is a Bartlett. I think it's Bartlett. He's an yes. amazing CrossFit athlete, the guy, and he is the nicest dude, right? Like mm -hmm. he is like the kindest, most compassionate guy, but he has that in him, right? He knows, but he also is super cool because he inspires people that think they don't have it in them. So when others can see in us, people say to me, oh my gosh, Dina, you're just so kind and funny and charming. I'm like, well, you wouldn't notice it if you didn't have it in yourself because it's super true in the same way that we're like man that guy's a total jerk and then I'm like oh crap it's kind of me yes yes and absolutely it's that, right it's that ugly feeling like oh god I think that way too sorry in that same breath flip it over and come from a place of kindness where oh my gosh you inspire me so much you're such a great dude look at all the wonderful work you're doing I couldn't see that in you if I didn't already know it resided in me so you help shine up that golden shadow so it's a beautiful thing we can pull ego and, and they just dance together it's like it's, it's nasty sometimes but it's interesting so when we think of someone someone like George St. Pierre and we think of the things that he's done in his life when he looks as his opponent with honor and the discipline it takes to becoming that kind of athlete i honor tradition and discipline so much i love ritual and discipline in in that's why i love the things about food like for me as a plant-based person um discipline for me in food and how i make it paying thanks for where the food came from even if i cook for my family because it's meat whatever that might be but to honor it to honor it is different. And it's not like I'm thanking God for the food. I'm thanking the planet for the food. I'm thanking mm -hmm. people who harvested it for me. The, the person who brought it to the grocery store where me with my privilege can walk into a store and have fresh food and yep. think nothing of it. My groceries, my, my plate is full. That's beautiful privilege. And so in that same way, I wanna honor the people that brought it to my table. In the same way as athletes honor someone that they take down on a mat or someone they take at the finish line and you know you've just destroyed that human being. But that human being has inspired you the entire way without them even knowing it. It's not, I'm gonna crush you at the end. I'm like, if you can do it, so can I. If you can do it, so can I. And that's the inspiration, not the competition. And that's beautiful. And then those athletes are the kind that turn around and hug each other. You know, more Sugar Ray style than Ma more Sugar Ray Leonard than Muhammad Ali. Although Sugar Ray was pretty cocky too. Yeah. <laughs> Without a healthy dose of confidence, as, as you well know, you can't hang in those circles. No, no. And men, I will say men can be quite mean. You guys, I think you guys might be getting a little better, but men are really hard on themselves. Women, we're, we tend to be not the circle that I'm in now, but I can definitely say in my 30s, we're, women are much more behind the back rather than to the face. Dudes are to the face. Dudes are like, whoa, bro, you're going to really do that? Nah, you're not. You can't even lift that, you know, and call you every degrading name you can think of to push you to do it. I have always come from the place of discipline where positive and reinforcement always. I'm like, what do you got today? Where's the space today? If the space is going to allow you to push through five more wicked clapping push-ups, then that's what you've got. If you're on the bar doing your push-ups, that's where your space is today. But if it's here telling you you don't have it, get rid of those self-limiting beliefs and come from here because you will do it as long as you're not injured. 
However, we can be really hard on ourselves in those places. And again, as we age, mm -hmm. I would say, I would say 35 so far has been my fav favorite physical age because I was able to recover faster. <laughs> I could run a 21K and go work at the bar for eight hours and not even feel it, not think anything of it. But now eh, I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and I teach about 17 classes a week when I'm in here, but I'm tired. I am. At 53, it's different than 33. It just is. And uh, now I have to honor where I'm at and, and growing into aging healthy. And the ego just starts to go away. It has to. The earlier that ego can go away, save like you keep it in your pocket for those moments. Totally. Uh, and you need it. You need your, we wouldn't eat if we didn't have ego. But there's a, there's a defeating ego and that ego that puts you in toxic looping thoughts. You lose, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're yes. a loser. To what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You're nobody. Get the, you know, get the fuck out of here. Excuse me. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on here, but um, yes. <laughs> okay, good. But um, if that ego, that's dark shadow ego. That golden shadow needs to say, hey, man, let's inspire ourselves here. What do you got to inspire yourself with? What is it? The, you're inspired by your, your wife's tragedy that she lived through while giving birth to your, your daughter at the same time, still just still getting through it. Maybe it wasn't always pretty, but she did. And she inspired you. When you're at your lowest lows, what is the inspiration that really brings your heart up, brings that that feeling in your throat that you just want to scream that's the stuff we tap into not necessarily joe schmo in front of us mm -hmm. that love for your wife and that inspiration that she has for you is going to blow you right past that guy in my humble opinion <laughs> yes yeah yeah well parenthood just having these the the responsibilities for like as a spouse and a parent right those are the responsibilities for the two most wonderful things in the universe 100%. personal opinion right but so it, it can be seen as limiting, of course, but it can also be seen as, you know, this is the call for you to develop the most amazing set of reserves and skills and strength that you've ever possessed in your life. And patience. The, the, I <laughs> never considered myself a patient person until I had a child. Like I'm pretty short for you. I laugh big. I get mad fast. I'm, I'm an Aries. I just get fired up real easy. But I have a child, you have a child, and here we are 21 years later, and I can think that whew, the lesson that that child has taught me is true patience to allow her to simply be her. She's not me, she's her. My kid's goth, she's badass, she's like totally not into you know, yoga or fitness or anything, but she is her, and it's her journey. I can encourage and inspire her all I want, but she's going to make the steps she wants to make. So I just have to surrender and be peace, at peace with all of that. But the patience that comes with being a parent is something that people who don't have children won't understand. And while they, and I think it's really cool. I have several friends who don't have kids and people always say to them, well, why don't you have kids? I'm like, I think that's such a personal question. So I say to them, how about you turn that around and say, well, why did you have kids? Why did you, you know, and they'll be like, well, you know, it's what you do. Really? Is that why you had yeah. children? Is that Worst why you had ever. Yeah. <laughs> Right? No, I had a baby because I love somebody and I wanted that love to come out in the expression of another human being. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. magic. No, but it's really cool because like, I, I know even with Jay, like we blended two families, his son's 23 and Deja's now 21. We've been mm -hmm. together 16 years. When I lost my mom, what I learned about love through him was one of the most eye-opening things for me because I had nothing left. I had no capacity to actually love him because I felt so broken at this unexpected loss. It was not expected at all. And that was really hard for me to process. All I had left was to take care of my daughter. She was nine years old, almost 10 at the time. And I remember saying to Jay, 
all I have is what all I have left is I can only give to her. I got nothing left for you. You might as well go. I've got nothing left for you. That man loved me from the sidelines, loved me quietly from the sidelines for over a year. And he stayed like that's that, that kind of love is, oof, that's a lesson in itself. Most people would have left because all I could give was to her. All I had left was all the little tiny bit that I had left was just for my daughter. But he stayed like that's wow. amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure you know what that's like to watch someone that you love so much suffer so big. It's hard to witness. It's hard to know what to do. And all and what Jay learned during that time was what it was like to truly hold space for someone. There was no fixing it. There was no giving advice. There was no, I can do this and it'll be better. It was simply to just be there and hold me in anguish. You were talking about holding space. And uh, I'll admit that at least at the start of the conversation, uh, it, it was a concept that I'm I'm still not completely unfamiliar, uh, completely familiar with. But with that example, and and my hat is off because, especially after the way that you've described it, it it is such a difficult thing to do. Yes. And um, the and idea. Sometimes of all sometimes all people need us to do is to witness their pain. They don't need you to fix it. They don't need you to say, "Oh, you know what? This happened to me." You know, no, we just like, really, they just want to say, oh, that's that. They just want a, co a commonality. So, oh, yeah, I know what it's like. I lost my dog, too. No, no, we're talking about my dog or my mm -hmm. mom or my child who's passed. Someone starts telling me about their child who passed away. I'm not going to go. Oh, yeah, I know totally how you feel. I lost my mom. Uh-uh, Not even close to the same kind of heel. All I'm going to do is hold for them. Hold for them. Ask them if they need a hug. Yeah, ask them if they want to be touched in it, whatever it is. All we got to do is witness their pain because it's too big for them to hold by themselves. And all we say is, thank you for sharing. I hold some of that for you. Just like that yoga teacher did that day eight years ago for me. So you're holding space when you don't even realize we are. And that's mm -hmm. beautiful. So if we can witness our lives for each other, the good stuff too. Because you know, some people are like, they don't want to share the joy because they don't, oh, I'm so excited about this. But what if it doesn't happen? Then we don't even ask them, well, hey, how'd it go? Because you brushed it off and made it sound like it didn't matter. Or you're in a lot of pain and you brush that off. Why are people going to ask, hey, how you doing? And then we get mad because nobody asks how we're doing because we're not vulnerable enough to say, I'm not doing okay, actually. I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but I'm not okay. So thanks for asking. And that's it. Pretty basic. Yeah. So you probably hold space way more than you realize. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Now that now that I'm getting a basic understanding of the concept. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're then, a yogi and you don't even know it. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. that not it funny how the aspects of something will add up over time and you're like, okay, let's just jump into this thing head on. Yeah. So by, the, by the time I'm 50, for example, this, that will probably be the case. Yeah. And uh, if you're uh, like me, because we're, we are athletes at heart and it's what we do. Like I come in, I finally, I last year did my first headstand. I was terrified to do a wow. headstand. I know I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing headstands. And then every yoga class I queue for headstand because there's certain people in our community that like the inversions to dump out energy. So if we think of our body as an hourglass and we're pouring out all the busyness of our head in a headstand, Ah, then it just frees us up for a whole bunch of new stuff. So when people get into their headstands or even just a little teddy bear headstand, whatever it is they want to play with, I'm like, holy shit, man, I just did a headstand. I'm 52 years old. So I always remind people ageism exists in our own mind. Mm -hmm. 
It's not from here. Little Dina inside is like, yes, we're doing headstands. <laughs> and it's joyful. It's not ego at all. And I know I, when our first closure, I taught 175 live classes from our trailer in Westside. And I, they're all on our Facebook page under Oxygen County's Aberdeen. They're all free. They're all still there. So on my birthday last year, I was doing a headstand at home and I rolled out of it. I could have really hurt myself. So I left it though. I'm like, these are unedited. We got a cat hacking up a hairball behind me. I'm rolling out of headstands. <laughs> it's just a hot mess. But this was COVID for us. This was our life. And I always find it really interesting because I've thought about this and said it to myself. If I lose my business, which is a strong possibility, I'm putting on a resume that I'm 53 years old. The resume won't sell me. And if someone won't shake my hand, the ageism will exist. I'm born in 1968. I graduated in 1986. People are going to look at that resume and put it aside. It doesn't matter what my name is. It's ageism and it exists. And I remind people every day that come in here, it doesn't exist. That's a here thing, not a here thing. So I think as athletes, we can age in a way that really inspires our younger generation to come from a place of grace, peace, and inspiration. Instead of, fuck you guys, I'm going to take you out. It's going to be like, I bow to your magnificence. I shall crush you now. <laughs> In the Army Reserves, I'm surrounded by young, up-and-coming, aspiring alphas. So yes. occasionally there is an element of, fuck you, I'm going to steamroll you. Yeah, that totally. Has to go on. But it's there's also an acceptance that you, for example, I did the basic training in my mid-30s. Yeah. And so there were there were a couple of course mates who were basically at one poor high school decision away from being my kids. Wow. <laughs> like that, that young. Like we talk about dates in history and occasionally things like the 9-11 attacks come up and one young guy's like, I wasn't even born then. Oh my god. Let every everybody in my cohort knows exactly where they were on that day. Yes. Things like that. And it, it's just realizing, you know what, these people are on a completely different part of the journey than you are. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's what is the best way in which you can connect okay. where you are on, on the journey yes. to where they are. And of course, it's a daily occurrence in your practice. Yeah. You're part of the journey in a positive way that you don't forget that. Just like I don't forget that one day in yoga class that this lady just stopped doing yoga. Mm -hmm. If we believe that we have all the wisdom we need, I like to, this is how I think about it. It's super, it's super esoteric, but baby soft spot opens. And then the baby soft spot starts to close up. But what if all that information is funneling into this little tiny human body and then it closes up and we spend the rest of our life searching for that information that's already there. <laughs> so if the wisdom already exists inside of us, we already know the lessons we need to hear. We just need to know the timing of those lessons and they will show up when we least expect them. Yeah, and That's I find it really powerful because I know the wisdom's there. And if I ask the question silently in meditation, should I do this? Like really come forth wisdom. I know the wisdom's in there. I wrote the lessons myself. And if I listen, there will be a soft whisper of yes or no. And it's that simple. Wow. But COVID has really screwed that shit up. And then there's a part two when I listen to you talk too about the, you know, the training for you in the military. So for me, I have found that, especially being a server, you just become a yes man. You know, you're just like, yeah, of course, absolutely, no problem. Oh, I'm so sorry, was that horrible? I'll take it away. Do nothing but apologize all freaking day. Um, but there comes a point where you need to stick up for yourself. And that's something I would say over the last decade that I've really struggled with, but I've gotten, so I'm either a total passive aggressive or a total oh. dick. 
I'm totally passive aggressive or a total dick, not much in between. So I'm trying to find balance where I create healthy boundaries where I stand up for myself without hurting other people. I'm not really good at it yet. I'm still, I, that's, I no. think that's one of my really big lessons. So then I, my inner child inside, she's like, wow, let's take them out. Let's go. Well, I'm ready. Let's fight. And I'm like, no, no, simmer down. It's okay. <laughs> and she's like, no, no one ever pays attention to us. They never hear us. Let them hear us. I'm like, no, it's okay. And then I tend to, you know, I'm coming from a softer place now, but I am, I'm either passive aggressive or just was super aggressive, nothing in between confrontational or passive aggressive. It was really weird. So now I'm trying to balance that out. And I've realized that's an inner child thing too, that it's sticking up for myself. So I can imagine military people in all, probably all different levels of it are probably people that wanted to have some control in their lives and the ability to get back to their country and to learn and grow and get educations and, and learn under people like you. So no, no pressure. Yeah. And well, in, in, in all <laughs> fairness, I'm still one of the students. I'm still among the lower ranks at a relatively advanced age. By their but, standards, not by yes. your, by their standards. Oh, no. I, well, absolutely. That's the thing. And the, the one thing that I am able to share, yeah. despite being, having no advanced training. In fact, there's some of these 20 odd year olds are advancing far beyond me when it comes to being able to attend and, uh, and get through other more advanced training. The, the one thing is that, uh, that anti-ageism, if you will, yes. that just showing that it doesn't have to necessarily be strictly military responsibilities, but you totally. can add so much more to your plate. And there are, there are some guys in their forties that are just putting me to shame in this regard as well, but right. you can take on all of these extra responsibilities and still have that inspiring quality that a 20 year old has. You yes. can take that in your thirties, forties, as you're doing in, in your fifties, right? Yes. It's not it's limited by the individual, not by the circumstances. 100%. Because, and I think as we age, there's a um, an anticipation sort of of fear. So if fear truly is the anticipation of pain, it's just the anticipation of pain because it doesn't exist. So if, we, if we're falling and then we get that adrenaline rush, that's not the fall that's freaking us out. It's the anticipation of the pain at the bottom. But the pain hasn't happened yet. So fear doesn't actually exist. That's a whole philosophical spiral down that rabbit hole. But if... For me, at my age, when I go skiing, for example, oh my God, don't hurt yourself because it's going to take you three months to recover, not three days. There's a reality there as we age that a different type of fear comes in and it's all in anticipation of pain, which pisses me off. So then when I'm like, okay, now get out of here and come back from here, as cheesy as this sounds, I'll watch GI Jane and I'm good to go. <laughs> He was badass. Like I am like, this is amazing to me. That one in Highline, Highlander, the first Highlander also inspires me because he always okay. came from love. He never wanted to cut anybody's head off. He was full, forced to, <laughs> but it, it, that's an interesting thing to be when we age, we don't recover as well as we used to. So we do need to eat smarter. We need to rest more and give ourselves that space to adapt. A workout that I used to do, I don't do anymore because it doesn't work for my body. If I did that similar style workout or training, whatever it was, suicide runs and all those kinds of things or running stairs, my body's plateaued. It's probably found its max there. Mm. So if I don't change it up, like if I was a road runner for years and then changed it up to trails, my body wouldn't have continued to be successful as a road runner in yes. my, my version of success. It had to switch it up just like riding bikes on the road to mountain biking, completely different world. So for you going into your military training at this age of your stage of your life, kudos to you, man. Good job. Yeah. Look, a couple of buddies dragged me out snowboarding a, a few months ago yeah. and I'm the oldest probably by about 15 years. Yeah. And it hadn't snowboarded since actually I was talking to the, the ringleader and he, I said, you know, you weren't born the last time I was on a snowboard. 
awesome. And, and we had the most amazing day, but just the little things. And, and these are things that I'm going to have to teach my daughter. And we actually have a son on the way. Yeah. Oh, nice. Congratulations. And what better way to teach your parent than by example, right? but things like that. Yeah. And it'll be an interesting lesson for you, how you are towards your daughter and how you are towards your son. Yes, actually, we'll leave the snowboarding. You said the only thing is that point about the fear just being a construct essentially is so true. It's at the very least, it's so overridable. Yes. And I guess one one of the things, particularly with age, and I'm not saying that the hourglass is running out, but you know, it ticks for everyone. The pain of not doing awesome things should be greater than the pain of not trying. Absolutely. I mean, I said it right. Like what is Gretzky's famous quote? Like you miss the percent uh, of the shot you don't take. Don't take. Best quote ever. It's not just for athletes, but for everyone. Like for me, even going for this business, I'm like, oh, I could never get it. I didn't have the net worth to get it, but I found an investor who believed in me. Sure, COVID happened, not from any fault of my own. Business mm-hmm. would have been very successful in our third year. We would have been doing really well. Um, but what would be the next road for me? Would I be brave enough to to start a whole new career potentially? Probably yes. I'm going to have to, right? Of course I would be. I have to reinvent ourselves just in like in the training process when we train others and they plateau and they're like, okay, I'm not seeing the results I was hoping for anymore. I haven't been able to run that a little bit faster, climb that a little faster, ride the bike or swim faster. We've plateaued. We know we've come there. If diet is in place, this is all the discipline is in place. Then we have to switch things up and reinvent the workout, reinvent and make the body shift and evolve and transform. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to change. It's going to transform into something more magnificent, whether it's faster or whether it finds more joy. So for me, I might have not been able to run the way I'm waiting on knee replacement surgery now, sadly. Mm-hmm. But, but that being said, I ran with more joy in my late 40s and early 50s than I ever ran with in my 20s because it was all about the numbers in my 20s. The Not concept enough. of taking joy in things just does not exist in your 20s. No, I it mean, doesn't. Maybe in the odd, beautiful moment, but yeah. it's like, no, let, let's do. Yeah, let's, totally. we'll, we'll appreciate it later. Totally. Yeah, and, and that's the mindset, but that's also the mindset. Uh, that's the evolution of life, right? And all of the things that we say are true. All of, like, if, like, the closer I get to 60, the younger it feels. The closer I get to 70, the younger it feels. But all of the things that the seven-year-olds say to me are true. Mm-hmm. I know when I'm 70, I will say those same things to the 50 year olds, to the 30 year olds, because they are true when we, we come from a place of real self-acceptance and exactly where we are. Because I know for me, like letting my hair go gray uh, several years ago now, I, I can't believe how many people said way to own it. I'm like, what? What does that mean? I'm actually in my late 40s and 50s. Uh, my hair should be gray. Society has deemed that I should probably dye it or the age spots or the stupid fucking things on Instagram that change your face and make you look <laughs> like 20. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, that is not real. I am proud of these laugh lines and these wrinkles and I'm not owning it. I am this, this is me, simple. So I find it really powerful to age with grace. And for people to say, wow, you look great for 53. I said, actually, I look great for 23. So thanks. And I look good for 73 It because it's just me and everybody is different, but we can age healthy and we can choose to take care of our bodies, minds, and souls with purposeful movement, purposeful stillness, and purpose, purposeful nutrition. Those are my three go-tos. We all know what it takes.
Purposeful movement is purposeful movement. We know what that is. Purposeful stillness is super important, which is the meditation, the breath work, the yoga, whatever that is for you. But nourishment, so important. And if we take nourishment to the whole new place where we really hold on to that, whatever it is, an orange, a banana, a pepper, and we look at it and we're so grateful that it's in our hand, this living thing is in our hand that came from the earth that someone picked or a machine picked that someone made, brought it to a store that I picked it up and touched it and brought it home. The whole process is a full circle. If we honor that and bring that feeling into our body, we're going to respond to life in a different way, in my humble opinion. Anyway. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not as far along that intellectual path as you are. I'm <laughs> at the stage where like if I'm cooking, because I, I do eat meat and when I prepare it, yeah. I'm, I'm at the stage where, so I, I, haven't, I haven't progressed to produce yet. Yeah. But I'm at the stage where like if an animal is on my plate, yeah, it's I'm they're aware. Yes, I think that's as best as you can term it, right? Like, how old, how old is your daughter now? Two and a half. So she'll come to that place where she'll understand that chicken is an animal. I right? I go through that that yeah. scenario in my mind. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the first time my daughter correlated bacon to a pig, and it was Ooh. a moment. It was it was it, it was the moment of like I didn't bullshit her about Santa Claus either because she actually caught Santa once at. Aberdeen Mall. She's like, is it Halloween? Why is there two Santas? I'm like, oh, you smarty pants. So I've always just told her it's make-believe like Shrek. It was make-believe. So just don't tell any other kids in case they really believe. But she was like, is this really that? Like she couldn't correlate that the pig was the bacon she was eating. And mm -hmm. it really threw her off. And it took some time for us to talk through that. I, I was plant-based, but I didn't make her plant-based when she was a baby um she was plant-based for a time during her younger years because she chose to didn't want to eat meat she's she was all upset she's like I, no one's going to eat my dog like she was worried that people would eat her pets <laughs> such an innocent and beautiful thing but now you know it is what it is we have a choice but i think like you that you're aware that you're eating another sentient being essentially that it that, that awareness i think is a gift and people yes. might think easy but i think it's nice to at least and if you're a hunter to honor it if you hunt it as well if you're a hunter and you honor the meat that you kill while it's on the land i think that's a beautiful thing as well absolutely sorry yeah. i just heard a knock on my door yeah, yeah i forgot we were doing blinds today oh that's okay don't worry and we've we've been talking long enough anyway we can cut this off and, and let things go i'm good for sure yeah i appreciate your time thanks for yes. having me yeah <laughs> absolute pleasure and i would love to have you on on more yeah. we didn't really get into the current circumstances and i will kind of fill fill in the gaps for the listeners yeah. but I, I think that's to my point that you're you're so much more than your circumstances the impact that you've had will transcend these circumstances and i know it's uncertain times right now because we don't know how you're going to overcome this but i can't shake the optimism that you will and yeah. um and maybe some there will be some listeners that can have input on that i'm sure that your your community that you put so much of yourself into is um, already trying to hatch a plan. Yeah. I think it's not a matter of if, but when you overcome this. Yeah. And, and you know what, should everything fall apart, you are a person who seems to be ideally equipped to pick up the pieces and start something new and wonderful that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. So th I, I thank you. Thank, thank you, you. For, for putting the energy that makes you that person out into this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I, I remind you, it's an us thing, buddy. It's not just me. It's an us thing. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for your time and all the best to you and your wife, your family and your coming baby. I hope to see you soon.
Thank you, and you too. Take care. Bye for now. And there you go. That was my conversation with Dina from Oxygen. And that was a long talk that ended too soon. I got cut short because I messed my scheduling up, but uh, I will have to have Dina back on. Like most people that I get the chance to talk to, finishing a conversation with them just leads to more questions. And I think there was a lot more that we could potentially have discussed. Again, I'm glad that we didn't spend too much time talking about the effects of the past year on Dina's business so much as the character elements that got her through it. There are a number of things that we talked about that I hadn't necessarily even considered before, but now we'll try to implement to some small degree in my own life. Like the, the concept of the dark shadow, gold shadow, I'd never heard it put that way before, but sometimes just being able to look at a similar concept to one that you've been playing with before, like the, just for example, the capacity of any human being to do good or to do evil, to explore the best in ourselves and to conquer the worst in ourselves. Any new way that that can be put that might just click with a certain individual, I'm all for that. And as I keep listening to different segments as I prepare to post this, I keep coming across more examples of that. The, not things that cause you to make a major shift in your thinking, but cause you to pause for a second and just say, oh, I was I was already thinking in that neighborhood as it was, but this is a new angle on it that I really appreciate, and it's going to add something. And so again, my thanks to Dina for being such an awesome guest. In keeping with the very selfish goal of this podcast, I came away with a lot more than I went in with, and I hope that anyone listening does too. I do not, as of this recording, have another guest lined up. It seems that one happy but very frustrating side effect of things making their way slowly back to normal has been that everybody is getting increasingly busy. Again, that's a terrific problem to have. I will track someone down for your listening enjoyment. I will have either my next guest or a solo episode up next week, as I was recently challenged by a good friend to make it next week and not knuckle under and allow it to turn into releasing a podcast every week. So we will see just how well I can rein in this habit of chasing shiny things and churn out one episode per week. And that is all for this particular episode. For now, thank you for listening to EFI. Just remember, uh, profound slogan, and I will talk to you next week's.